Welcome to Acres of Nature, a podcast brought to you by United Utilities and the Royal Horticultural Society. I'm Emma Clark, and this is the second episode in a short series looking deeper into the sights and scenes of RHS Garden Bridgewater. Having focused on the walled garden in the last episode, our attentions turn to exploring the wider garden experience, including the Chinese streamside garden, Ellesmere Lake and the impressive woodland area that makes up the Bridgewater Estate. Specifically, we'll be touching on the role water plays across Bridgewater's landscape and how engineering and design of water flow has influenced the gardens. To set the scene for us and to share more about one of the sections at Bridgewater, Middle Wood, we spoke to Tracy Snell, garden manager of RHS Garden Bridgewater. As a landscape architect by trade, Tracy led the development of Middlewood and explains how it became a vital part of the garden infrastructure, serving as a water management system for the whole site. So Middlewood, which is kind of quite a central part of the area that I manage and is also a really important link between the wall garden and the historic old estate and it's we're changing the approach in terms of how you might experience a woodland garden. We spent a while coming up with exactly how we wanted this woodland to look, but it's always been wet. It's got some lovely glades that were created when the scouts used for camps, and we've used part of those glades to create our play area, but other glades still exist, and we've done some thinning to kind of enhance them. But one of the things that we found was it gets waterlogged in winter, there's sections um, further sort of in the southern area of Middlewood where it was always wet and wanted to be a pond. So as part of our process and part of our concept we thought well, wet woodland is an important habitat. Um, it's declining in the UK and it's really water and woodlands are really rich in wildlife and biodiversity. So whilst we're not going to go down a traditional route of recreating a wetland, wet woodland habitat there, we want to use aspects of it and aspects of what's important in that kind of habitat to create something that's a more unique woodland garden, a sort of traditional rhododendron, camellia garden that you might often see in a woodland. And we've started that by mapping where we had wet areas and then that fed into our sustainable drainage and slow the flow plan, which included a series of scrapes and swales and ponds through the woodland and they're carefully positioned all the way through to manage the water that runs off that would often flood the welcome garden and the wall garden lower down the idea is that that runoff is slowed so instead of taking an hour to run through the woodland and get and then pull if it's a, a storm conditions it might take a day but the benefits of that is then we're creating ephemeral ponds and pools through the woodland they typically have more water in, in winter than they do in summer um, where they might dry out but it offers a really interesting mix of ground conditions for us to work with um, so at the moment we're working towards we created the swales we've created leaky dams so they are dams that allow water through but if you're in a storm rather than allowing the full weight of water through 
it just means it's a trickle. So you've got more water coming in than going out, then you'll get a pool and we've created larger areas. They're all designed around where the trees are and how we've created special routes. They're lovely and winding routes that kind of, they lead the eye through the woodland. The woodland gradually to the north increases in height. And what happens is those swales kind of lead the eye and planting will accentuate that as we go forward. Once a huge garden estate with a grand Gothic mansion, welcoming such visitors as Queen Victoria, a large part of the Bridgewater estate is made up of woodland, and within it sits Ellesmere Lake, a prominent historic feature that has been retained as part of the garden's restoration. Bringing us back to the present day, we now see the woodland changing, and the introduction of new water features has been an essential development for the garden. Certain water management techniques have been introduced to both slow the flow of water and increase biodiversity in the garden. We spoke to project engineer Laura Birkin, who designed and developed a number of water management measures at Bridgewater Garden. Laura provided insight on how a review of the water management already in place at the site, combined with hydraulic modelling, helped to inform how the water flow would be engineered for the site moving forward. And the main issue that we had at Bridgewater is that the walled garden, the Western walled garden, um, which I would refer to in this context as the ornamental part of the garden, was had a great water management system, but was getting flooded from areas further north and topographically higher upside. So we had sort of six or seven, what I would call little streams of water that were running at various points into the walled garden. Um, there was no proposal to do anything about it um, until we realised sort of what a problem it was. Um, because the site's historic, we had no idea where this water was coming from, whether it was coming from groundwater popping out of the ground, whether it was rainfall, even whether it was an old drainage system um, related to the walled garden. But we realised that it's something that we had to solve because we had these sort of rivers coming down and flooding the frame yard, um, which is one of the key areas where we've got um, trials, so we don't want that flooded. Paradise Garden was affected, and more than anything, the Welcome Garden, just outside of the Welcome Building as you enter the site. So we realised that this was something that we sort of needed to do something about. So my background previously in water management was in hydraulic modelling of rivers and hydraulic modelling of water. Um, what hydraulic modelling means is that you basically take a surface, so a computerised 3D surface of an area, and you effectively get some data about rainfall and you virtually rain on it and see where the water runs off to. So what that does is rather than having to wait 30 years or 100 years for this big storm to come and, and see what happens, it gives you a sort of a virtual version of that so you can see what's happening. Um, that told us that we had issues with groundwater. So we had a lot of groundwater coming out. The site sits, uh, it's got a sand layer, which then sits on clay, which then sits on a lot of organic matter underneath. So water freely drains through the sand. And as soon as it hits the clay layer, it pops out onto the surface. So we've got loads of springs. Um, the other thing that the modeling told us is that um, we suffer from quite saturated ground. So the grounds have got a lot of water in it a lot of the year anyway. So as soon as it rains, there's nowhere for it to go. Um, once we'd figured out what the problem was, um, it was a case of 
coming up with a way to manage it. Um, the middle wood area wasn't included in the original master plan. And so in terms of the time that we had to spend on it, we didn't have a great deal of time. We also didn't have a huge budget. But I think looking back, that was actually a good thing because without a huge budget, we couldn't do any big engineering. We had to sort of think outside the box a little bit and think in more natural ways. So myself and Tracy Snout, who's the garden manager for the Woodland area, her background is in landscape architecture, mine is in engineering. So it's sort of a perfect um, like partnership really in that sense. So between us, we were also very lucky that we were both based on site so we could sort of design as we went. So both of us sort of took the modeling, which was just blue lines on a plan showing us where this water's coming down. And over the course of a few weeks, just walked the site with those and figured out where we could formalize these through the garden and manage them. So it's referred to generally on site as a slow the flow scheme, which is a, a term that's used in sort of the water management world as natural flood management. What that entailed, was a lot of swales, but completely natural, and a lot of log dams, which is basically look to make it look as much like the beaver as put it there as possible. <laughs> so through the middle wood now, we've got log dams, we've got pools, we've got swales, um, almost no plastic, which is something that I'm proud of and I know that Tracy is. So, so far we've had two or three big storms since the scheme was put in and it's, it's, working, it's working well. The Slow the Flow initiative is a really integral way of using natural means to enhance habitats and encourage biodiversity in the area. Laura continued to explain how the natural approach had an important function in creating a unique wet woodland. What the water management scheme through Middle Wood has done, it's created a garden that we didn't intend. And I think it's the first time that I've ever done a sub-scheme or a sustainable drainage scheme like that where it, the way that it looks is as important or more important than its function in terms of water management. So all of a sudden, as a landscape architect and as a garden manager, Tracy has got all these wet and semi-wet areas that are ready to be developed and planted. And I think over the next few years, that area will become a garden in its own right. Um, and quite a unique one, I think, in the UK. Probably not the only wet woodland, there are others, but quite... An, unique one in terms of where it's situated and being so close to a city um, and within Salford. Now the integration of water and the impact it brings to the woodland is clear to see. Boosting biodiversity and supporting all kinds of species such as frogs and birds. Tracy talked us through the benefits for wildlife in more detail. I think another benefit of going for more water through the woodland and working, it's not only working with nature in terms of where the water wants to flow and working that way. We are also, as a site, we're important for lo birds locally and woodland birds particularly. And one of the advantages of having the wetland habitats and the ephemeral pools is that they are places for the birds to get water and to um, to feed and just part of that we found that certain like um, the grey wagtail tail we didn't particularly we didn't have that on one of the surveys that we had done pre start pre starting our work here when we we're going through planning and recently we've had surveys and they're coming in and they particularly like the water through the woodland what we also 
provide is wildlife corridors through those wetland features. So we have frogs, toads, newts. And whilst they can travel across all of the dry areas, then we've got clusters and more habitat available for them. It also allows us to have more habitat for wetland invertebrates and all of that then helps to provide a healthy populations to support other, particularly the birds, so it kind of makes the whole woodland more diverse. Um, it has helped, we had Ponticum run through all the way through the woodland and whilst that offers some habitat, it's not particularly diverse for habitat, so actually by opening that up, putting water in, allowing some areas to plant up with shrubs, we're offering lots of different layers in which different wildlife can occupy and that then allows you to become a more diverse and more healthy and sustainable habitat. To the east of Middle Wood is Ellesmere Lake, a key historic water feature first installed as part of the creation of Worsley New Hall in the 19th century. The lake now plays a major role as a serene garden feature and diverse habitat for the garden's flora and fauna. Laura gave us an overview of what the lake was like when RHS took over the site and some of the challenges the team had to overcome to turn the area into a thriving horticultural feature. So Ellesmere Lake, when I came to site, um, it had just been emptied and the, the biggest issue with it in terms of being able to use it as a horticultural feature um, and something nice to look at was that it had sort of 100, 150 years worth of silt buildup at the bottom um, just from leaves falling into it because the whole area was surrounded by woodland um, and what that does is it decreases the water depth. So that lake is only about um, 0.6 of a metre deep, so sort of waist high. It's not, it's not that deep. So as soon as you've got, we then had sort of a knee, knee high's worth of silt in there, which means that it's tricky for wildlife. You don't get much oxygen in the water and you've not got a depth for planting. So um, quite early on in, uh, during my time, we dredged the lake. Um, down to its original clay liner. So we sort of restored the depth of it. We also had to repair um, some of the walls around it. So some of the walls hadn't been touched for sort of a hundred years and were crumbling and that meant that water was seeping out. So another thing to sort of keep the water in there. And then we just re-terraced, reprofiled some of the banks just so that you've got areas for different depths of marginal, aquatic, um, or wetland planting, depending on the fluctuation of water levels. So it was, it was, it was a restoration and a slight change, a slight improvement. Laura briefly shared how the water management also diverted water towards the lake, enabling a flourishing hotspot for wildlife. So, as part of the water management um, of Middle Wood, the other benefit was that we were able to divert water into Ellesmere Lake so that that could be topped up. Um, a study that we had quite early on um, as part of the scheme said that that didn't have enough top up. It used to have an old connection from Black Leach Reservoir, which is a good few kilometers away from site that had been severed. So in terms of being able to plant up that lake, we were struggling in terms of dry spells. So we've also been able to create a habitat for plants and wildlife there. And I think the wildlife is the other one. Wherever you have water, you have wildlife. So 
Yeah, that's a big plus. With the lake being such a high-profile aspect of the garden, Laura described more about how the restoration has enabled it to become an idyllic place for nature. Restoring the lake like that, I think it brings back the way that we look at the garden back up to the area that the new hall used to be. So it's sort of the grandeur of where the lake is looking up at the terraces. It sort of gives you that, gives you that vista um, of where it used to be. In terms of the planting and biodiversity, taking sort of a hundred years worth of silt buildup out of it means that you've just got so much more oxygen. So the lake, it's alive again. It's got, you know, plants, animals, birds, but just, it just sort of brings it back to, gives it a new lease of life. It's amazing how much thought and consideration goes into the water flow and ensuring bodies of water are retained within the Bridgewater Garden site. Tracy gave us an overview of the importance of water to garden settings and the way we as humans relate to such environments. Water's always played a really important part in garden design and I think the biggest part of that is people's connection with water. You get quite a lot of drama and really interesting reflections on a still water body so that's where you want larger pools. They can be quite reflective, they can reflect the sky, the trees, and that's certainly something that we've really noticed here at Bridgewater with the pools and particularly winter time, actually on a sunny day, the reflections that you get on the water can be really interesting, even at a time where it's kind of quite a bleaker landscape because there's no leaves on the trees. Um, they really offer that added sensory element through a garden. And I think they just add a setting to a place most Old houses always had a lake to them. People like to go boating. They like to really interact with the water. And very much it's still a place, whilst the new water bodies we've put here, they'd never be large enough to, to go boating. But everyone always has a connection. People love water from small children um, all the way up the generations. People always have a connection with it. And I think offering lots of different varieties of water from formal pools, lakes, natural water bodies and running water and streams, just people feel calmed by it and I think it's a connection and feeling of nature. You can sit there, it's certainly a popular spot by Ellesmere Lake at the end where we've put a few benches. It's pretty much continuous amount of people sat there because it's a really nice destination to just sit, watch the wildlife, see the reflections and so I think that's probably why that's always been considered important. Bridgewater Garden has an ongoing project and design feature called the Chinese Streamside Garden. Central to the design is a newly created stream that runs from Ellesmere Lake to a new lake, Moon Bridge Water, adjacent to the Welcome Building. To tell us more about the Chinese Streamside Garden, we sat down with Manchester-based Jerry Young, who is part of the Chinese Streamside Garden Committee. As a key figure in the local Salford community, Jerry has played a pivotal role in promoting the garden and facilitating a collaborative approach between the design team in China and the RHS design team, culminating in a unique garden fusion. Jerry told us more about the purpose of the Chinese Streamside Garden and the significance of the collaboration. First, um, the Streamside Garden project celebrate the contribution of Chinese uh, horticulture to the world. I think many people don't realise, in fact, 
Um, there are about 32,000 plant species uh, originate from China, um, which account for one-eighth of all the plant species found in the world. And many people would know that mo a lot of the common garden flowers, uh, camellias, hydrangeas, uh, rhododendrons, uh, winter sweets, uh, peonies, a whole host of you know, magnolia, a whole host of garden flowers actually came, came from China. Even modern rose is often a cross between a Chinese rose and a native rose. Um, and so, and, and many other trees like, I mean, there's a dawn, dawn redwood in here, which was, which was thought to be extinct and found in China. It's now planted all over the world. And, and there's one in this garden, I think you probably know. And so, so the first part is that this will celebrate the contribution of uh, Chinese horticulture as a gift to the world. The second, I think, is the fact that this will, once the, the core is built with all the Chinese garden architecture, this will be the first um, ever, I think, first ever um, Chinese, a genuine classical Chinese garden being built in, 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 in UK of any significant size. Okay. And the third is, I think, it signifies a collaboration between um, the Chinese community and um, this, uh, the host community in, in terms of this major garden project. It signifies a collaboration between UK and China in terms of horticultural exchange and garden culture exchange. So I think there's different levels that you can look at this. When you visit the Chinese streamside garden, you notice a mix of different materials and textures with a specific focus on rock formations. The Chinese horticultural inspiration is clear to see. Jerry highlighted the essential aspects, including water, that make up a typical Chinese garden. If you want to call a garden a Chinese garden, there are four elements. Uh, there's water, there's rock, plants and garden buildings. If you don't have all four of them, you can't really call it a Chinese garden. So water is a major element in any Chinese garden. And, and so, you know, the Chinese streamside garden uh, flows from uh, Elsmere, uh, Osmere Lake to the Moonbridge Water, uh, which is the, 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 you know, a major part of it, and, and planting will come on both sides. And in the middle of the stream will then be a, the Chinese uh, ar garden architecture buildings will then be erected in, in there. So, uh, uh, you know, and, and the rocks is already there. So, you know, the placing of the rock happened in uh, 2019 in the... Um, uh, the original plan was actually the uh, uh, a team of Chinese uh, craftsmen uh, will come over to help with the placing of the rock. But of course, pandemic uh, got in the way, and so Zoom was used instead. As a crucial contributor to the installation of the stream for the Chinese streamside garden, Laura, who we spoke to earlier, explained what the project meant to her and how it rates amongst other schemes she's worked on throughout her career. The Chinese Streamside Garden is probably one of my favourite projects that I've ever worked on. It was the one that I was the most excited about. It was also probably one of the most challenging to do. Um, the master plan done by Tom Stewart Smith included the Chinese Streamside Garden to link the top of the site where the old lake, Ellesmere Lake was, and sort of bring it down to where the new welcome building was um, and where 
Moonbridge Water was going to be. So it thought it was a linking feature. But actually, in terms of levels, it's not that downhill, which is the first problem because you're trying to get water from A to B, but you're actually sort of in quite flat in some areas. So it naturally wouldn't necessarily want to fall down there. Um, and the other issue that we had is that the groundwater levels, so the water sitting in the soil can get really high in that area. In fact, they can get so high that sometimes you get water sort of sitting in the grass at grass level. Um, so it runs, the, the streamside garden runs right through Middlewood, sort of from the north of the site to the south of the site. Um, the problem with the groundwater in that area is that we've got to dig the ditch, sort of the stream bottom deep enough so that we can get water in it, but we've got to be careful of tree roots, which are always a problem because we've got some old trees on site. But generally with water features like that, you have to line them with something. So sometimes you line them with clay, sometimes you line them with um, a polythene sheeting. The issue that we had with the stream side is because the groundwater was always pushing up from underneath, it was trying to push the liner up. Um, so that was one of the sort of biggest challenges. And also the groundwater just turned the whole site into a swamp. So we had to build it in winter when we were sort of thigh deep in mud, which wasn't great, but we did it. Um, the bridges were a great feature. So it's always nice to do ornamental bridges. I've done all sorts of bridges in my time as an engineer. I've done railway bridges, I've done road bridges. So to do some nicely designed bridges for the Chinese streamside garden was absolutely lovely. Um, I think the other thing that people perhaps don't notice when they come to site or if they come to site in the future is that the Chinese streamside garden is actually a pumped feature so it's no different than um, someone having a feature in their garden um, in a pond so there's a pumping station down at the bottom of the site near the welcome building that pumps the water up to the top and it's made to look as if it's emerging from um, Ellesmere Lake at the top. Um, hopefully in the future we'll get enough water into Ellesmere Lake that that pump is no longer needed and we can get water coming down from the lake at the top but there purely wasn't enough in there to keep the stream running and we need to keep the stream running to keep the fountain in that water feature so again quite a lot of engineering in terms of getting the the pump efficiency and getting the pump right but you wouldn't think it just to walk down the stream you wouldn't think it at all because now it's just a beautiful piece of horticulture and landscape. During this episode, you would have heard the term SUDS being used. This stands for Sustainable Drainage Systems, which support the movement of water from modern drainage systems in urban settings with natural watercourses. To tell us more about SUDS and how they're being used at Bridgewater, we talked to Johnny Phillips, who is a Surface Water Strategy Development Manager at United Utilities. The sustainable drainage systems are making a really good impact at RHS Bridgewater. What we've had in 2021 is a really stern test from the volume of rainfall that fell during Storm Christoph and unfortunately made a lot of flooding problems across the northwest. What the sustainable drainage systems at Bridgewater were able to do was actually really, really limit the impact onto the gardens to localised ponding on green surfaces and it negated any impact on the visitor centre or any of the gardens themselves, which is really what, we're, uh, what their purpose is and, and what they're aiming to do. And it was really good to see that 
they were really tested to their full capabilities through that wet weather period and that they did work really successfully for what they're intended to do. Expanding on how United Utilities is working with the likes of the RHS, Johnny revealed how the partnership will help shape future ways of working, enabling us as the North West to become more water resilient too. The partnership that United Utilities have got with the RHS and, and the Bridgewater site is really special and it will help shape our future ways of working together. What we would like this to do is really empower the communities of the Northwest to play their part with us in, in terms of securing our water supply and improving the amazing environment of which we live in. Gardening can be a large consumer of water, as any gardener will know, the amount that we need to go and water our plants is quite a lot and this adds value to our water bills. By incorporating and encouraging gardeners to really take up the challenge of integrating blue elements to the green elements that they have in the garden is really interesting, fun and also brilliant for wildlife. It'd be really great for people to take some of the messages that we've got from the Climate Resilience Garden and all the other features at RHS Bridgewater and really adopt and integrate them into our standard garden designs as a, as a challenge. We also think that through this partnership, we will be able to show and demonstrate to our customers how we can reduce and remove volumes of surface water from sewers ultimately and reuse and recycle it as that valuable resource that we've got, the amazing amount of rainfall that falls in the Northwest, retaining it during those wet periods to reduce the risks of flooding and pollution and reusing it so that plants that especially do like clean rainwater to be supplied with can use that supply for a longer period of the summer whilst we are being challenged in terms of how much water is being used relative to reservoir levels and that provides a, a whole holistic integrated picture around the water cycle and how we will adapt as a community um, and as a country to the challenges of the extremes of climate change, the increased rainfall, the reduced rainfall, we need to really work and learn how to manage around it. And the RHS partnership and especially the Bridgewater site provides that perfect testbed and platform for us to be able to communicate best practices with our communities across the Northwest. So there you have it. A fantastic mix of contributors have provided us with a detailed overview of the influence water has on the design and continued use of Middlewood, Ellesmere Lake and the Chinese Streamside Garden. We've also discovered that by using water in a sustainable way, the Northwest is becoming more resilient to climate change. There's one more episode in this series, so make sure you listen to this as we'll be examining the impact a garden space such as Bridgewater has on the local community and how community groups and local schools have been able to benefit from the amazing outdoor spaces on display. I hope you've been inspired to come and visit RHS Garden Bridgewater so that one day you'll be able to experience these wonderful garden spaces set in historic landscapes. You can find out more about RHS Bridgewater online at rhs.org.uk forward slash gardens forward slash Bridgewater. And for more gardening hints and tips, why not check out Gardening with the RHS, an award-winning weekly podcast from the Royal Horticultural Society. Find it wherever you get your podcasts 
or head to rhs.org.uk forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.